Hello and welcome to 60 Minutes With. I'm Chris and I'm joined in this episode by the lovely Tina. Hello. Hello Tina, how are you? I'm fine. I'm very excited to talk oh, to our guest. <gasps> Me too. I'm I'm so excited. I've been uh, really excited since you you told me that we were going to be talking to our guest. Mm. And um, tonight uh, we are really excited to be joined by a wonderful guest who has provided many hours of entertainment, thrilling us with tales of Hollywood and the dawn of cinema. His podcasts have painted vivid pictures that have transported your imagination back to the very beginning of motion pictures. Tales of Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce bringing life to Sherlock Holmes, how sex and cinema courted controversy, stories of Walt Disney and the communist witch hunts that plagued America, to Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff scaring audiences to death. He's also taken us through the life of the complex and controlling genius Alfred Hitchcock, the determined, kind-hearted James Cagney, and the very beginning of Warner Brothers with tales of the dastardly Jack Warner. These are just a few of the many stories he has told, which are filled with triumph and tragedy. And now, with his latest show, we are treated to the story of Val Luton, working with RKO to bring an altogether different kind of horror to the screen. I have, and I know others, hang on to his every word, and his podcasts have not only educated me, made me smile, made me laugh, but they have also made me cry. Quite simply, he has created some of the most incredible podcasts I have ever heard. And tonight, I'm pleased and proud to welcome Adam Roach, creator of Attaboy Clarence and the Secret History of Hollywood podcast to 60 Minutes With. Welcome, Adam. Good heavens. Yay! <laughs> Adam! Hello. How are you? Wow. It's Good amazing. God. When, you were, when you were saying all that stuff, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the Basil Rathbone. Oh, it's been so long. But it's my honour to be here. I'm absolutely delighted. To have been asked. Thank you so much for having me. Oh well, it, it is it is our pleasure, and yes. uh, as I said, we've been very excited to talk to you for some time. And mm. uh, I mean, um, it was Tina who introduced me to your um, podcast, The Secret History of Hollywood, and um, so I have to her to thank for that. And I, I introduce everybody to your podcast. I, I, everybody I talk to, I said you must listen to this podcast. It's so good, you know. It, it, it's absolutely incredible. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. No um, how are you? I'm very, very well. I'm very, very busy, and I'm I'm loving it at the moment because there's just so much going on creative-wise, which you know I hate when there's nothing going on and now there seems to be everything going on at the moment so I'm in a very good place at the moment yeah that's awesome. <laughs> I just wish I had more time mm. <laughs> I don't That'll know how all. you find find time to work in a normal in inverted commas job and do two separate podcasts and write and research all at the same time with kids and a family and how do you do it Adam uh, <laughs> I just don't sleep. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, you know, it all has to be done very late at night. Is that, is that what you kids, do? So. You you literally work and then spend your evenings doing, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I, I do split shifts at work, which is um, five five days of split shifts a week, and then I have two half days. Mm. Sorry, one half day. Um, so, yeah, I, I basically get home at night, which is anywhere from between 9.30 at night till you know, half 11 at night. And then, it, you know, it's four or five hours of writing or researching or mm. um, 
uh, recording or editing. So I've been editing all day today. So it's been Ooh. a bit of a taxing. <laughs> oh, what for? Um, it's part three of Shadows. I, <gasps> I recorded it on Monday and I just edited the lot. So I've got to put the music and the clips and all that stuff in. Wow. But, but the, the first edit's done. It was a real nightmare, this one. Really? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what was going on. I just... The, the the file I started with this morning was two hours, and by the time I'd edited it, it was one hour, so I oh. must have just completely, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with me, but yeah, it was a bit of a bad session. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I was going to add to the uh, the intro as well, um, but I thought I better not just in case, you know, because I don't want to offend our guest. But I was going to add that uh, you, you know, as people have heard you speaking now, uh, that you've, his voice is enough not only to make ladies weak at the knees, but also men as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. because I wish I, know... I had that power in real life. <laughs> not, not not the men. Well, you know, maybe the men. <laughs> well, it couldn't hurt, could it? Let's be honest. You so, have um, definitely got the best voice in podcast. Podcasting, uh, without a doubt, you have um, uh, listening to you. I think you're so. I mean, you're enormously successful. The amount of people, both I and Chris, have said, you know, you've got to listen to this podcast. It's amazing. And you. if you sort of put so aside, kind. it's true, Adam. It's true. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't wish to sound gushing, but it's true. Uh, but I think apart from the content. And the way you've progressed and your storytelling, which is everything. It's the way you tell stories. And it's, um, I think Chris will agree with me. It's you, the the tone of your voice, but also the way you tell a story. Thank you. That's mm. that's really kind. Of, it, it, it Actually, you know, it's one of the things that, in fact, it's the only thing, I think, that sets any podcasting apart, is especially a storytelling podcast like mine is is the writing because anyone can learn to how to use a mic and how to edit and how to to you know add effects and do swells of music and pick good music and mm. all that kind of thing um but the the only thing that sets any podcast apart i think when it comes to that kind of thing is is the writing and it's one mm. thing that it, i've always tried to 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 make different every time like the first one was very very bare bones it was just here are the films that the basil rathbone one it was just yeah, there were these two guys, and they met, and they were friends, and they did the, the films together, and it was just very much trivia, 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 and that was the end. And the the second one was more of a, you know, I'm going to take this and sort of look at different angles, and and every time I've tried to, to make the writing different and build on what I've done before, until now, and it's got sort of more out of the documentary style and more, it's more biopic now. Yeah. It's more like a, it's more like a, you know, a classic the life of Alexander Graham Bell, you get your dialogue and you get, you know, the dramatic touches now and then. Mm. So if you just say that, it's very gratifying. Well, you, very you've much. started, I think, um, in the last um, sort of five, maybe six podcasts that you've done, is that I've noticed you you actually act in them. It's not, it's mm. not so much you telling the story. You're actually acting all the parts yeah. and you're really good at it. Uh, <laughs> you you're really good at it. I you know there's I, don't, like, I, don't, I totally agree with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you had any acting experience? No, no, none at all. No, it's it's you know those those things where I have to do voices and things. It's because needs must, and mm. uh, you know I, if I could get people in and hire people, then then I would love to do that. But, but you know it's funny when I'm trying to do an American accent or Harry Cohn or Alan Nazimova or something, you know. <laughs> 
and you have to just get your Russian on and you're saying the same line over and over again she didn't hit the T probably <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I, who and I found the, was hilarious the, the um, oh gosh the guy from Columbia Pictures oh Harry Cohn yeah. oh, he's, you, when you did his voice I was smiling constantly because <laughs> he's so funny that really hurt that voice really yeah, yeah it really hurt my throat to do that voice and I came out of the cupboard because I'm mean, actually in an understairs cupboard that's why I do it all and I came out and the, the whole family were just staring aghast <laughs> at the door. I walked out and they were like, what the actual fuck were you doing? <laughs> I couldn't speak for like two hours. So. <laughs> it's even worse with the Alan Nazimova because I sound like my nan. She was from Latvia. <laughs> every, time I, every time I have to do that voice, I just think... Oh, I can just hear her going, you must eat your cheese, you must eat the caldoni or something like that. <laughs> just, just resurrect her. It's like a ghost floats in front of my face. <laughs> so, yeah, my have Russian you, man. Have you um, had to train your voice at all or have you um, done anything specific with it uh, in terms of, you know, kind of, I don't know... Um, well, I've got loads of questions I want to ask about the podcast and stuff. But since Tina mentioned your voice, have you done? Have you like, had? Not say not acting as such, but have you done any training for your voice to learn about that no. kind of thing? No, none at all. No, no. Wow. <clears throat> I've always had like a deepish voice, and um, my podcasting voice, the voice I'm talking to you with now, is different. I would say to my normal voice in that I pronounce my T's a lot better and and uh, things like that. But but no, no, no formal training or anything. It's just. You know, I, I like reading, and I like um, I read lots of stories for the kids and things, and it's just it's more fun if you're if you're into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. doing the voices. <laughs> I think you've got two podcast voices, though. I think on Attaboy Clarence, you're a different Adam than the Adam yeah, you definitely, are yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love both podcasts, so. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's it's true. I, I I have had friends in the past. Uh, who said, oh, I'll listen to your show, and they come in and say, why are you talking like that? You don't talk like that anymore. <laughs> but, you know. You it, have it, to, it, though, don't you? You, you have know? to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It would sound, you know, I have a bit of a, you know, a, a West Country accent in normal life. So, I mean, no one wants to hear me going, and then James Cagney got in his car, <laughs> took out of the room, had a beer, said, get out, Pat O'Brien. That's the thing, so. <laughs> so I am actually... Not talking in my normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one would want to listen to that. <laughs> I'd, actually, I'd pay, I'd pay to listen to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you a special edition. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Bullocks um, and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> um, you recently celebrated your birthday as well. Did you have a good uh, good birthday? Yeah, very good. Yeah, really nice. We, um, we spent the day... Uh, what did we do? We went fishing. It was very weird. We thought we'd do something just completely out of our comfort zone. So we all got in the car and went fishing. And it was one of those things that we just thought, you know, don't ever do that kind of thing. So we went to a trout farm in Oxfordshire. Got out of the car, spilled out of the car, went up to the river. And my teenage daughter, Molly, my eldest, was, you know, oh, I just want to listen to my iPod. Oh, you can't play <laughs> Minecraft. Oh, you know, this is just the worst day ever. But she got a rod and cast it in. And, and I swear to God, ten minutes after... We'd started. She she walked up to me and said, "I feel like I've been wasting my life. I should have been fishing." So <laughs> it's crazy. Just one of those things. And um, we went out for dinner afterwards, and 
yeah, it was just really lovely. Really See, nice. I would imagine you not going to Oxfordshire to fish, but to actually go, you know, on Pilar in Key West with the ghost of him. <laughs> if only. <laughs> God, yeah, a rickety old white boat, a couple of beers and a revolver. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great with a fedora on. Yeah. Well, because you've mentioned your family. Um, yeah. Have they got any idea how massive you are in the podcast world? <laughs> And how loved you are. you said in the podcast world, yeah, they can definitely see how massive I am. <laughs> um, well, you are seven they... foot four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Height-wise, yeah. Um, yeah, my, well, well, no, well, yes, well, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yes. I, don't, I don't really sort of go around going, oh, my God, look at this, I'm number two in the charts. Or, yeah. I'm, you know, I've got this many downloads. Every now and then when I've had a few beers, I think, look at this. <laughs> Come and check this out. Oh, my God, I've had this many downloads today. But it's no, it's no. My daughter Matilda, my youngest daughter, she's yeah. um, she's starry-eyed. I think oh, around me, bless. which is very, very sweet. It won't last. I know that. <laughs> you know, I walk into the playground. She says, "Oh, my dad's a famous podcaster." Or yeah. Something. And everyone is as indifferent as they are to me, <laughs> and I walk down the street and say that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't really. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, my wife is incredibly supportive. If she yeah. ever spots the fact that, you know, I've been mentioned somewhere, or I'm in a, a magazine or something, then she, she's always, you know, oh my God, look, I'm so proud oh. of you, I'm so proud of you. And, well, and I if would I ever say post anything, she always shares. And, uh, as well, um, thank you to Hannah for her support, because I'm sure it's time that you could spend with her. Oh, good God, yeah. yeah that, she's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's li you, literally Hannah. been four years now. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, I haven't really had a day off. I mean, even when we go on holiday, it's you know, I'm I'm still writing or reading up or write, doing something for six hours every day. Oh my god! So it's it's so much, so much work, and she is just the best because yeah. she never ever says give it a rest. You know, she yeah. always says, "Would you like more time? Would you like more time?" Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So do you, do you find it that's difficult that. juggling podcasting and the home life? It's got we've we've sort of settled into the routine. I don't find it as hard as I did when I first started, but um, but it was very very hard to begin with because um, it was very much a casual thing when I first started. Um, I started Attleboro Clarence in January two thousand fourteen, and it was just I mean if you listen to that first show, it was just a laptop. I switched it on. I didn't have a script. I just pressed record and went. Hi, my name's Adam. This is the worst introduction ever. You know, <laughs> I'm going to play a radio play for you now. It's really terrible. So I just decided to get better and try and get the sound better and all that kind of thing. But it, it was still a weekly thing. And like I would do it on a Sunday or something. And the rest of the week, I wouldn't be doing any of it. Um, so it was very much a part-time thing. And then when the secret history of Hollywood sort of branched off from that, which was about two months after... Um, it, it it sort of became oh I'm gonna have to go and do some more writing do some more writing and then the first shows took like three weeks to write um, and then the universe of horrors one I think that took three months and then mm -hmm. the the Hitchcock ones each took four months you know and and the bullets and blood got the bullets and blood part three took eight months to write so mm -hmm. it's just it, it's just every day it's four or five hours and sometimes you get one paragraph written mm -hmm. you know <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. because you spend so long looking for the answer to the question like which which restaurant did uh, Alfred Hitchcock eat at when he landed in New York for the first time it's not a massive thing you know it's not it's not something you'd find in many textbooks or biographies but it's something you have to search for because it's you know, you've got a scene in a restaurant you need to know where that restaurant is you can't just so, so so things like that, you know, are what take the time. 
Um, and then when it comes to the actual recording and the editing and stuff, that's when they don't see me for weeks at the time because I'm literally, you know, scratching out clicks and gaps and stuff. So they are so, so wonderful, my family. Mm. They really are. And I come out the door and they, they never, they're never angry with me. They're always, you know, running up and, can we read a story now? Can we do this? Should we have dinner? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. 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 No, they're what, great. What, what made you turn on the laptop then in the first place and just decide, I want to talk, and then hopefully people will listen? What made you want to record that first episode of Attaboy Clarence? How did you get into podcasts? I was very, very into old-time radio since I was you know, 16. Um, and I remember what it was. I was working at a bowling alley, and I walked over to the supermarket to get my lunch and I saw these weird tape sets they were like double cassette in a case and it, it said heroes of old time radio or something I had a picture of James Stewart on the front and it was like 99p and I thought well, I'll just get that and you know just shoved it in my trolley forgot about it but a few weeks later I was in bed and I was just falling asleep and I thought I'd put it on so I put on this um, uh, cassette and it was this a wonderful life oh, sorry beg your pardon and um, I listened to it in bed, and I thought, my God, this is the same as watching the film. You've got James Stewart, you've got um, Thomas Mitchell, plays Uncle Billy, and you've got the, the swirling music and the Frank Capra narration, and you've got everything. And it was like, this is why, I'm, why don't people know more uh, about this? You know, why, why aren't people still listening to this? People are fans of old films, but you have the old film as an audio drama with these original stars. So I started collecting these shows, Bold Venture with Humphrey Bogart and the Lux Radio Theatre and everything. As soon as the internet came about, these things were way easier to find and access. They're all free and they're all, you know, public domain and stuff. So mm. you could really download them then. And my job when I first got married was I was working for my um, wife's father. And it, I was driving all day and I would just listen to these old-time radio plays all day. So the music and the sound effects and the, the acting and the, the overlapping dialogue and everything... I mean, all the stuff from my podcast comes from those radio dramas. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's because I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours just listening to these radio dramas. So, and, and it was just natural progression. I ran out of radio plays, so I started looking for more, and I found old-time radio podcasts and technical podcasts. and very geeky, so it's like, you know, Mac Break Weekly, that kind of thing. And then one day, um, <clears> one day I just thought, I'm going to start a website to write some reviews because some of the films that I like like Sherlock Holmes and Pursuit to Algiers are not being reviewed, it's always Hound of the Baskervilles and that kind of thing So, and I was in the middle of writing this review and I thought you know, why aren't I making a podcast, I should just, just do that so so that was it, it was just that was the idea, it was I'll record these reviews instead of writing them and then I'll put a radio play on if I review the film that I'm that I have a radio play version of, then I could play the radio play version at the end, and that'd be quite cool. So mm. I did that, and um, yeah, it just took off. It was really good. Yeah. Sorry, very well, long. You answer. mentioned uh, <laughs> no, no, that's really interesting because uh, you know, but I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not going to be asking loads of technical questions about what equipment you use, what bit rate you record at, and all that kind of stuff. But I am genuinely interested in how you put together the podcasts. Like you've mentioned, um, some of the podcasts like Bullets and Blood. I listened to that. I finished it um, last week, in fact, and it's. What, you can tell me exactly how long I would imagine in terms of its length but it was three parts and roughly about 20, 20 hours, hours worth yeah, of podcast yeah, yeah. 
and um, the final part being uh, about nine, just under yeah. nine hours, if I remember I rightly. So, th- th- to me, that is incredible, yeah. and and it, it um, you know, I would say to anybody, and this is what I say to everybody, is if you have and I've pointed somebody else, one of our other podcast friends, uh, the Bad Cop Bad Cop. Uh, podcast which we listened to a couple of american guys and i recently sent them a message saying you if you know if you've got any kind of passing interest in cinema or history you know particularly being americans as well you know then you must listen to this and um but no you're welcome um but i'm really curious in terms of just run through say the start to the end if you like in terms of time in terms of getting the idea of what you decide okay I want to make a a podcast about James Cagney about Warner Brothers how it all started to then the research into term how long did that take in terms of how much research you did and time and then the if you like the writing the recording the editing how long would that take you let's say bullets and blood in total to 20 hours would, I mean, can you give us a general idea of how you do all that, put it all together, and then it's, put it out for everybody to listen yeah, to? Yeah, um, okay. So I think the last part of the Hitchcock one came out October 2016. So <clears throat> I remember I had two weeks off after I released that. So I started Bullets and Blood at the beginning of November. And originally, it was going to be a show about Warner Brothers gangsters. It was going to be like a universe of horrors, but with gangsters. So a universe of gangsters kind of thing. And... Um, it was just going to be the gangster films, and I made a. It went, took me about a week to get a list of every single Warner gangster film, and I thought I'm going to um, specifically focus on Cagney because he's my favourite. Yeah. So I'm going to tell his life story as well. So I amassed as many James Cagney biographies as I could possibly find, um, and then started to build my story about him. And I remember sitting down on the first day of writing and thought what's, where is the start of that? What's year one? What, you know, what's year dot on that? And it was the inception of Warner Brothers because obviously that was where everything was going to take place. So I thought, right, well, I need to do a very brief history of how Warner Brothers started and then I can get on to the Cagney story. So um, <laughs> I remember just Wikipedia, Warner Brothers, and just <laughs> looked at it and thought, ooh, that's a pretty good story Um, so I looked for all the biographies I could find on them documentaries I found a few and it took me about a month I think I had a pile of books you know three feet high and um, I had a few um, documentaries by TCM and things like that Mm. and the more I dug into the Warner story the more I thought this is the story to tell because (laughs) You know, this yeah. is this is drama like you've never seen it. You've got rags to riches. You've got sibling rivalry. You've got tragedy. You have betrayal, passion. You have a villain like no other. <laughs> you have, you know, a, a pure of heart brother, a muscly brother, and an absolute cretin of a brother. You, <laughs> that's the story to tell, and Cagney should be running alongside that. So... Mm. It was um, just a case of, you know, I'm right, I'm going to tell the Warner Brothers story, but I'm going to tell it properly, and then I'm going to cut to Cagney, and we're going to follow those stories, and, and at the end of part one, that has to be where Cagney comes to Warner Brothers, because, you know, they've both come from the streets, and they're just, they're both, you know, that's where it kicks off, basically. So I'm halfway through writing it, and then, you know, I'm sort of telling the story of Sam Warner, and and then, you know, he was married to some 
girl called Lena Basquet, and I just thought, mm. oh, I wonder who she was. Yeah. <laughs> and <so laughs> I just looked into her and just thought, Jesus Christ, this is another story mm. that needs to be told. And my God, her story didn't tell a tenth of her story. And just, there was so much in her story that I couldn't tell because it just would have been a 40 hour podcast on its own. So I just had to cherry pick from from her life as well and so it had three timelines running along I had Lena Basquiat, James Cagney and the Warner Brothers it took I think 10 to 11 weeks to write part one and that was basically the first chapter in all of their biographies you know mm. it's them just arriving at their careers so um, it was a lot just so much to try and to try and tame those strands those story strands into like a workable plat so they interwove together and then they they met at the end of part one you know you had lena basket just tried to commit suicide you had james cagney just arrived at warner brothers then you had jack warner they've just had some massive success with jazz singer and you know, they're a studio to be reckoned with that's where the powder keg kicks off for part two do you have an editor then when you write? Like it took you so long to research just the first part. Do you like pass it to Hannah or one of your friends? And say, Can you just have a read of this? And th- do you think I should cut this? Or do you literally do it all yourself? I literally have to do it all myself. I don't yeah. think I'd be happy with, with letting anyone else do it. I, yeah. I, I should. I should do. And I should definitely get a proofreader because um, I've had... You know, <laughs> it's really embarrassing, actually. I took my... Um, script down for Mark Gatiss to read for the new yeah. series yeah. and um, I could see him sort of struggling with bits and bobs and I was thinking oh no I didn't <laughs> check it over and I looked afterwards and there was tons of these bloody you know spelling errors and grammatical errors that I'd just been typing so fast I hadn't actually gone back and checked over but yeah I should get an editor I should I should totally do that but I write as I go I write as I research so I'm telling yeah. this story I'm telling this story I have a fair yeah. idea where it's going but, I think the um, way yeah. you cherry pick strands of people's lives and make them fit together i've never um experienced in a documentary or you know and god knows i've seen an awful lot of documentaries <laughs> the way that you you pick what to include i think is absolutely astonishing that because it's, it's so linear uh, the story just makes complete sense That's very kind. and it's so I stop saying thank you. I can't help it. I'm so, I'm so grateful. No, but it's, it's so, um, it just, every bit slots into place perfectly. And any bits that you leave out, it's fine. Because thank I've you. just learned so much uh, from your stories and you tell them with such passion. I've often wondered, you know, do you have a bit of help? Does somebody say to you, you need to cut this this person out of your story? Because I, I was listening to Attaboy Clarence and you were talking about um, not talking about one of James Cagney's films. Is it The Roaring Twenties? Roaring Twenties, yeah, yeah. you didn't go into it in detail, which made me think, I'm going to go on Amazon and buy it. Oh really? Yeah. That's my favourite James Cagney yeah. film, and I I've couldn't, done... I could just couldn't. There was no, there was no, there was nothing outstanding about that time and his life that you know it would have yeah. just been a diversion for diversion's sake. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you think you know when you're writing these stories, you think, God, I've, you know, it's taken me three months already. Do I do I spend a week 
telling people how much I like the Roaring Twenties or Royal Gallant or something important. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But thank you very much. That's very kind. Wow. The way, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. You, um, you mentioned Lena Basket, and um, that was one of the... I mean, I always feel quite melancholy when your podcasts come to an end, and I think it's because you, you've sort of taken me through the, the very beginning of somebody's life to the very end, you know, literally the end of their life, and particularly with uh, Lena Basket, and I think that was because it was... Her, you know, like you said, you, you probably didn't tell half the, the story of her life, but what you did tell was so affecting, um, particularly the. Um, I can feel myself choking up a little bit as I think about it. There's the the the, the bits uh, where you obviously explain about her daughter Lita, and um, how they're reunited when she's, um, you know, for after what, fifty odd years. Yeah. And it's it was so emotionally sort of overwhelming. I was I remember I'm generally in my car when I listen to podcasts, and uh, you know you kind of have to pull over and stop for, for a, you know. And you think, oh my god, I'm not joking. It's no, seriously you, you know. At it, Carol it Lombard and Clark Gable. I remember you telling oh me. Oh my god. So this that was from the, the um, Adventures of Alfred yeah, Hitchcock, right, yeah. and I remember when you were telling that story as well about um, yeah mm. Carol Lombard and. Uh, and Clark Gable and again you know you sort of you go through these triumphs these highs and lows and it was you know I I do find myself getting so drawn into the the, the stories um but yeah that that one in particular was was really affecting mm. you know um but what what's the most challenging thing you face sort of when you're putting your shows together then um is it the writing process the writing do you process, get writers the block? writing process takes the longest that's, that's definitely what takes the longest um, that's about 80% of the, of the work. Um, so to get back to your question before was the, um, I write as I go and I write as I research and then I hit a natural end and then that's it. And then I generally have a week off, um, just to, to, to sort of distance myself from, you know, what I've written because otherwise I just sit there editing all the time. (laughs) So, and then I take a day and just record the whole thing if I can, the, you know, especially if it's a nine-hour one, it doesn't start at nine. Hours. That was a fifteen-hour um, mm. recording session. There. Really? Yeah, the bullets and <clears> blood <throat> part three took, took forever. So it's about it's about two or three days to record it usually, um, because I have to go back and record other bits, and and then it's about two weeks to edit the first the first edit, and then about another two weeks to um to uh, to to add in all the effects and music and and bits and bobs like phone effects and crowd effects and things like that mm-hmm. but um i think the most challenging part to get back to your question was um is definitely the writing because that's that's the part that you agonize over i mean editing is just the process you're going through and you can see you're taking that out you're taking that out um but the writing is is where the real creation comes so so that that's the that's the hard part yeah <laughs> you, you know the musical edits that you put in um which which are excellent as well just kind of you know put put color to the the stories that you're telling as well you know just but what, what how do you decide um what to put in where if that makes sense aside from i suppose music or songs that are related to the thing that you're talking about or parts of the film um, I noticed in I think it was the Bullets and Blood that you we actually put in um, there was a bit of Hans Zimmer there I'm sure it was from um, one of the Batman films you know the sort of the, the, the you know so where how do you decide what what to put in and where to put in um, do you, is it through your own knowledge of watching film and listening to music or is it suggestions that you have from people or no so, um, uh, it used to be that I listened to I, I would get a hold of soundtracks that sort of fit the mood 
of the thing I was trying to achieve. So if I needed a, a bouncy part, then I'd look for rom-com soundtracks. You know, that kind of thing. But now, um, in the past year, I, I don't, don't use those anymore. I, I actually pay for all the music. So so yeah. I have to, yeah, really? I use this uh, service online. And, and basically you can uh, put what kind of music you'd like. Is it upbeat? And if so, is it, you know, tr- does it have a minor key going behind it? Does it have a major key going behind it? And literally, that that's the other part that takes all the time. It's you. Every single podcast is is it's all about the scene. So you know, you've got a two minute scene where Jack and Harry are having a conversation. You need tension. So you might not start the scene with music, but it slowly s- starts to appear halfway through. You know, a little rapping of the drum or something, or you know, a little tense little symbol or something like that so i'm looking for tense music and it's just a case of auditioning all these pieces of music you know, it come up under tension and sometimes you can be sat there for three or four hours trying to find one piece and then all of a sudden you go that's the one and you know <laughs> track mm-hmm. it in quick um yeah i try not to use the same piece of music twice in any series because it can especially if it's a big moment then it makes you think of that previous time i used it so once I've used a piece, that's it. It never gets used again, generally. So, um, but so yeah, I'm I'm starting to run dry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's quite hard. <laughs> uh, just in terms of the, the writing and the storytelling, then, because like you said, they become more like kind of um, like you said, rather than documentaries, like kind of you know, like biography or storytelling, if you yeah, like. But, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how? Do you fill the gaps in terms of conversations? I know you can get a lot from, say, a biography, you know, which obviously mm-hmm. tells about people uh, and about things that happen to them. But obviously you describe the the scene so vividly. Um, oh, let's go back to Lena Basket. You know, the time sorry, that sorry. That's, that's okay. She, the time that she met um, Adolf Hitler, you know, and you describe that scene so vividly. Is that yeah. through, literally through imagination and sort of how you'd picture it happening? Uh, or is that through... Uh, more so the, the the documentation and you know the the books that you've read and things that you've watched this is actually the the most asked question i, I get because obviously there's lots of dialogue in especially since bullets and blood started mm. um lots more dialogue in it now which definitely lends more drama i think um the the warner brothers story for example was um it there was so many facts that came from conversations but I can't say Jack and Harry had a conversation and this was the result and then Harry took that conversation over to Albert and and they argued about it for a bit and decided not to do that because that's 20 seconds of you know Mm -hmm. nothing yeah so I never would uh create a conversation that didn't happen but obviously sometimes I have to dramatize what the contents of the conversation were like i know they had an argument about jack's womanizing so i have to theorize what that might have been but um uh, i mean especially with bullets and blood i must be honest with you most of those conversations were documented anyway if you read a book called the brothers warner by cass sperling warner who's the granddaughter harry's granddaughter if you read that book it's literally all dialogue related to her by harry so uh, when she was a little girl. So I didn't really have to try with that one. Val Luton's a lot harder because there is so little information about him. But I can, you know, I have to take what I can get. Like, I have a Jack Tourneur biography. I have about three or four of them. So I, 
taking every single conversation he had with Val Luton out of that so I can use that. And then I'm looking at interviews with Mark Robson, Robert Wise, those kinds of people. And every time they say, and then Val said to me, that's another conversation that I can use. Mm-hmm. When you, you, you asked about Hitler, that conversation verbatim is in Lena Basquette's biography. Autobiography. Wow. So uh, there was way more in that, <laughs> in that conversation with Hitler that I just couldn't put because it just didn't sound real. Because, you know, she said, oh, you're a second-rate Kaiser, and she was slagging him off to his face, and he was <laughs> leaning over her, and he had drool coming down his chin, mm. and he was trying to force open his legs with her knee and all this kind of thing. And and I was reading it back and thinking, no, I just can't. You know, I can't. People just will not believe that happened. So I just boiled it down. But those that, that whole thing with Hitler, um, she told that story from when it happened till the day she died she never went back on a single part of it never ever got the mm. part wrong when she was telling someone either so i mean you know just have to take her word for it but that that conversation the whole conversation with hitler absolutely every word of that came from her autobiography right yeah. <laughs> you must have an extensive range of autobiographies on your shelf then <laughs> i have piles and piles of them. i've got so many and every time i go to a charity shop i pick up another one bring it home put it on the pile and notice i've got six of them already like, like the lauren bacall bloody book <laughs> i've got about 12 of them i just can't, can't stop buying lauren bacall's autobiography apparently <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give them away soon <laughs> i have absolutely hundreds and hundreds of the things mm. yeah what do you think about people who complain that podcasts are too long? Oh, Obviously, your your shows are you know, I would I would call them long. You know that you're too long. That's that's they're not at all. There, I could listen to you all all <laughs> day you. to be quite honest, <laughs> and I often do. Um, but you know, people moan all the time, particularly I mean, like with our show, which is like sometimes two and a half hours mm. long. You know what do I mean? People and moan at you. People complain. Yeah, people do. If I say it's too long, but we say to them, "Well, there's a pause that's button." Exactly what I say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and yeah. I'll tell you something now. The stats do not bear out that at all. I don't... The the most downloaded shows of mine are always the longest ones. Bullets and Blood Part 3, 207,000 downloads that's had now. Wow. And that, that's like... That's by far the biggest one. Um, the Hitchcock Part 3, that's that's number two. You know, mm-hmm. the shorter ones are... People do like the shorter ones, don't get me wrong. And, and I see advice everywhere all the time people saying you know keep it short keep it short keep it short but if you're aiming for 30 minutes then mm-hmm. you know you don't you, podcasting is a free art form it's, it's yeah. something that you go into and you say i'm going to make a show you shouldn't be thinking oh god i have to make it 30 minutes because otherwise people will be getting off the train and pressing stop that's not absolutely not true people don't just listen to podcasts on commutes mm-hmm. they listen to them at home and in the car mm-hmm. when they're shopping I listen to them when I'm walking the dog in the morning uh, I think they're just like you say you just press pause so I, I I do take issue a lot with people who say that podcasts shouldn't be long I don't really care if people say your your show's too long for me because that's personal choice but to go out and specifically tell podcasters to all make their shows 30 minutes, no more than 40 minutes, mind you, or something like that, then I just think that's really, really poor advice and, and mm. definitely is not borne out by the statistics at all. Hmm. What, what advice would you give to aspiring podcasters then? Um, you know, I mean, that'd be one thing that you'd say, I guess, is, is do your own thing. But what would you say? So if somebody said to you, oh, Adam, I really want to make a podcast, what, what what advice would you give me? I'd say you need to do it about a subject that you really love. 
that's the most important part because you know I, I know so many people who started a podcast because they want to be a movie reviewer not because they love movies but because they want to be a movie reviewer and they want people to talk about them and they want to get loads of downloads and get sponsorship and all this kind of stuff um that's all very well but if you don't really love reviewing movies and your downloads don't go up past double figures after two months then you're just going to not want to do it anymore yeah i don't care if people I, do, I mean also i do care if people don't download my shows but that's not what makes me do it i don't think oh, i have to beat last time i do it because i think god i just watched this really cool movie called children galore and i really just want to tell people about it. um or you know i really want to tell the story of val luton or i really want to tell the story of universal horror films or something like that and and if you're passionate enough about your subject and if you love what you're talking about then you could be broadcasting to two people, you know, as long as you're doing it because you really want to do it. So that's the most important thing. The second thing, I think, if you really want to build an audience is that you need, as much as I don't want to say this, you do need to sound fairly decent because mm. it is one of the things that makes people switch off. You see it so many times in reviews of podcasts and things, you know, I couldn't listen to it anymore, it hurt my ears or something. So I think you need good good sound quality. You need to pick a subject that you really, really want to talk about. And, um, yeah, just, just really care. Just really try and care about what you're doing. Mm. <laughs> Very generic. So you're a fan of podcasts then. What, what, which ones would you... What, what do you like? What do you listen to? Um, I don't listen to many because... No, I don't have the time. I don't have the bloody time. <laughs> I can't listen to them at work. When I'm at home, I'm just you know working on these things. So I listen to um, a few. Those most mostly guys that I and I started in January 2014. There were a few other podcasts that started at the same time. We sort of formed a little collective, and we still you know have our own private group on Facebook and chat and all that kind of thing. So their podcasts, like there's one called Rated H. That's a horror podcast. There's um weekly geek speak and stinking paws and all that kind of thing i listen to your show yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and i listen to a couple of old time radio ones there's a good one called stars on suspense that i really like and um down these mean streets but apart from that i just don't get time i just mm. don't get time i would like to listen to more but i'm, I'm more listening to old time radio and stuff if i get a chance to uh listen to stuff because I'm looking for, oh, that's a good effect. Oh, that's a good line. Oh, that's a good mood, you know, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just a question that's occurred to me. I was just being, I don't know what made me think about it, but um, what what your thoughts on the artist from 2011? Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Because obviously your sort of like, you know, area of expertise, you know, what you talk about is cinema, early cinema from the 20s, 30s, 40s. So what, what did you think of that film? Did it make... Uh, 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 you know, have a good portrayal of cinema from that era? I mean, you're the best person to ask, I'd imagine. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I wasn't really looking at it in that kind of way. I was, I was more like, you know, oh, they've done a good job of, you know, he, he reminded me of Gene Kelly all the way through it, so I was watching it thinking, yeah. oh, he reminds me of Gene Kelly. He does look like him, I, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. The, 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 I like the flapper dresses, and I like yeah. the stage, you know, at the beginning with the audience and the great big stage in front of them, and... I, I always look at that stuff and just, you know, get rosy eyes. and I just love that period in history. I love the fact that everyone put a shirt and tie on in the morning. And, you know, any film that's set in that era, I'm just a sucker for it. It doesn't matter if it's a terrible film or not. But I, I, thought, the, um, I thought the artist was great. And it, I, you know, I shed a tear at the end. 
when he spoke and everything. Mm. I really liked it, yeah. yeah. It's really good. It's not better than <laughs> Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, though, am I right? <laughs> no, that's the best one. It's <laughs> a great one. <laughs> um, I asked my, um, uh, my colleagues who I do my other show with, and um, Adam, who, again, I've passed on to, uh, to your show, who absolutely loves it. And uh, he says... Uh, can you um he says thank you, adam from the tips of my toenails to the frayed end of my very longest head of he- head hair for his show it's remarkable seriously i need a better vocabulary to instill the sense of wonder i get listening oh, to it thank you and um, a great name too cheers <laughs> <laughs> yes um but he's asked um during your research who have you gained or lost respect for the most when learning about particular individuals Basil Rathbone, Just actually. Just you think about... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. like I, I always wanted to think he was... Not really lost respect for him. But when he gets to the end of their story together, and you see that he, you know, said, I don't want to do it anymore, and Nigel Bruce was kind of, you know, heartbroken over mm. the fact. I just thought... I don't know. It just it, it sort of soured me on him slightly. I still I still love Basil Rathbone, but I still think, you know, silly man. And... and you know, he could have kept it going, really, and he tried to go back to it, but it was too late by then, and he ruined his friendship with Nigel Bruce. So I do love Basil Rathbone, but I must admit, when I got to the to the end of that, I was thinking, "Oh, you stupid man!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just go, going back to Bullets and Blood, it occurred to me, and I said this to you the other day, Tina, didn't I? That I can imagine—I I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones at all, if you have time to watch it—but uh, you know that. It just felt like a, an, you know, a Game of Thrones, but set in sort of, <laughs> the 30s, you know, yeah. the, 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 that era of cinema, you. you know, because of the, like you said, the warring families, the drama, the characters, the everything. <laughs> <laughs> the incest, the, the dragons. Incest, yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's very kind of you. Actually, um, someone else said that to me a little while ago. They said, it, yeah, oh, really? someone put a, a thing on Twitter about, you should listen to this, uh, it was Grindhouse Dave, I think. But um, yeah, he put, he put some very much very similar to that. He put, you know, it's like Game of Thrones, an audio version, <laughs> which is very very sweet of him. Um, it's very weird actually because when um, when part two came out, I got a, an email from someone who said that they were a writer for HBO and that they wanted to adapt it, Bullets and Blood. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't heard anything since. But yeah, I said, oh, yeah, I'd be very interested. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. And they said, oh, we'll get a pitch together and get it to you. And that was like yeah, a year, a year and a half ago. So <laughs> I assume it's not happening now. <laughs> mm, wow. be, be it would be nice, though, yeah. It? I mean, is that something that you'd aspire to be involved with? Is sort of like, you know, writing for TV, movies, that kind of thing? Or are you happy with doing what you're I would doing? definitely write, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Because I did, I did a thing for the BBC last year, and that was that was really, really embarrassing. I'm not, you know, TV's not my thing. So yeah, it was awful, awful, awful. But um, what was the the, the process, or you were involved, or how, what was awful I just, about it? I need a script, and I, mm. I, you know, they were they finding these questions that really lovely people as well. Oh, can you tell us about Clara Bow? I'm thinking, oh, right, okay. Um, well, you know, she sued the uh, this newspaper. I can't remember the name of the newspaper. And I was pulling all these facts out, and the more it was going, the the, be- the better it got. You know, was, I was having a bit more recall. But I wasn't coming across very well, and I've watched it back since. It was, you know, you can you can watch it now. But 
I watched it and just thought, oh, good God, never again, never, never. But, Have um, you ever really. seen um, Mark Cousins' series, documentary series? Story on the film. The story yeah. cinema. Yeah. I really, uh, it's such a great programme that's made totally unwatchable for me because I cannot bear his voice. And I have the utmost respect for him, but I literally cannot watch it because of his voice. Now you, I can imagine you on Netflix doing your series. With I would love you, to do that, oh, yeah. you would be, you are just Netflix. Get on it, seriously. You, could write it and narrate it. It would, you know, and it would be wonderful. Thank you. I would love to do. That. I, I, if I could get image and video rights, I would make mm. these things for YouTube instead yeah. of yeah. podcasting, or, or do a podcast version as well. In all seriousness, I think that is where your future is. I really think Thank you. I'd love to do that, that yeah. one day somebody's going to go, oh my God, Adam Roach, and you're going to be <laughs> off. I really believe that's going to happen to you, Adam. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be lovely. Yeah. Do you need a secretary? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, go for a it. A Welsh yeah. one. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you up for it? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure I could pull off the Welsh accent. <laughs> the Welsh. Welsh secretaries are all the yeah. best. Oh, I. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah it'd be great. Yeah, there are yeah. there are things happening at the moment. I'm not I'm not actually free to um. Well, well I was going to say, you know, a few people have said to me, ask him what's next, what's next, and I said no because it <laughs> no because he won't be able to talk about it. There are certain things I can tell you that I'm working with Amazon on something Ooh. very exciting. Oh, that's wow. all I'm allowed to say. Ooh. It's been oh, it's been amazing. in the works since May of last year, and. And I, all my parts are done, so hopefully Ooh. they'll be announcing it soon. So uh, I, I'm, oh, I'm literally amazing. in limbo. That's where all the old shows have gone. So everyone says, yeah. "Where can I listen to this? Where can I listen to that?" And at the moment, I just have to say, "I'm so sorry, I got nothing to tell you at the moment." So hopefully, it won't be too much longer. Mm. And there is um, good. there is a. I was approached by a director called Pascual Rivas. He's an Argentinian director, and he's making a series. And he's just pitched it, and it's been, it's been accepted. Or Ooh. anyway, he's got he's got the finance, and um, it's a series of six or seven short films, and he wants me to write one of those. And nice. it's all about the only time that Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler met, and it was at a, oh. like a, it was at like at a uh, club, a writers' club. Yeah. And and it was um they both discussed the fact that their detectives were inspired by the same man. It was a real-life detective, and he was a black guy. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so he wants me to write that. that <gasps> so I'm doing that in the new year, 2018. So. Ooh, oh, amazing. amazing. Apart from that, I can't really say anything else. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> because I've had people, oh, like, wicked. Chris has had, had Adam asking things. I've also had um, a couple of people ask me stuff. Mainly Steve, who, who sometimes does the music on our podcast. And I promised him I would ask him. Because it actually, I have to thank Steve. Thank you, Steve, for telling me about the secret history of Hollywood. When I first discovered it, it was because of Steve. And oh, he thanks, wanted Steve. to know. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, uh, he's well into his podcasts. He's a big Bob Mitchum fan and he wanted to know are you ever going to do anything on Robert Mitchum yeah 
Yeah, there you go, Steve. <laughs> so shoot your face, Steve. No, I will, definitely. Well, the yeah. other, the other no, thing he probably. asked me was uh, my favourite genre. One of my favourite genres is the Western. And he also said, you know, have you ever thought about doing cowboy films? But I always thought you don't really go for genres. You go for a person and then you expand that story to the people around them as well. So is That's that what exactly you it, do? Yeah. You yeah, do. definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's easier to like take a studio because then mm-hmm. you can focus on their biggest star or something. But it's getting to the point now where, um, let's see, what have I done? I've done Universal. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing RKO kind of now. It won't be very mm. much RKO. But mm. It's easier to take a person and then branch off from that than it is to take a genre because it would just be too too big, I think, too mis- unhandleable in mm. the word. So. But um, yeah, I want to do... I want to do MGM one day, but that'll be like a hundred <gasps> Musicals, <pounds>. musicals. <laughs> exactly. I haven't even touched MGM yet. Oh. But, um, yeah, I would definitely do, definitely do Westerns, but yeah, but yeah, it would have to be, you know, a person that made it from the start to the end or something. Yeah. Well, I know, I know that the, it, the list is endless of people that you could, you know, like Val Luton, I've never, I've, I know, sort of knew that he did cat people. That was about it, really. So you've got so many people you can talk about. Do you think you'd ever move away from the 30s and 40s? I don't know, because my interest starts to die when it gets to the end, well, sort yeah. of end of 50s. That's yeah. when it kind of dies for me. I just I just kind of not don't care enough. You know, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that there was some amazing cinema after that, but there's something about that period for me mm-hmm. that just, that's where my heart is. So I think that's for another person to do. But, um, yeah. But yeah. But I want to do. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I should. I could tell you this one, I suppose. But I'm doing <gasps> another it? podcast. What? Um, what? Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> the... bated breath now. Adam's going <laughs> to give chilling, us a secret. No. <laughs> Shut up, Tina. Let him talk. It's <laughs> all right. Um, I'm doing the secret history of British cinema as well, which is going to be the, the same thing, but just. British cinema, so and, you know oh, the Googie Withers story and the Gainsborough <gasps> story and the Hammer story, which I get asked to do all the time. Oh, yeah. So, um, yes. so yeah, I get to do Hammer and Ealing and all that kind of thing. Oh, lovely! Yeah, that's cool. But that's the oh, thing for next amazing. year as well. Wow. Awesome. Um, I I won't keep you for much longer because obviously you know we don't want no, to keep you all. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, Adam asked me a couple of other questions, and he, he said, um, "What show um, caused the most uh, what the fuck?" Or to be more eloquent, I can't believe that happened. Moments when you were knee deep in the story. So I'm imagining he means when you're doing your research. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'd say bullets and blood part three so far. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, just the whole Hitler and Lena Basquette thing was like, oh, I can't fucking believe this happened. <laughs> you know, about six months before I released that episode, every single person asked me, how's it going? I'm like, you won't believe this. Lena Basquette kicked Hitler in the bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> she nailed him in the coin purse. You won't believe it. But yeah, no one was, would believe me. And now everyone knows the story and they've all Googled it and found that it was true. Um, so there was that. The... Um, the whole Jack Warner thing, I still find quite incredible that he could do that to his family. That you know, I was writing that part and just thinking, Jesus, you know, really were a piece of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the episode that I'm proudest of is still part two of the Hitchcock story mm-hmm. because I think it just went from his arrival in America to being you know on his knees career wise, and you took in the Carol Lombard part, the the World War Two part where he went to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, he he made the film with Sidney Bernstein and they liberated Belson and that kind of yeah. thing. I remember going through that and just thinking, this this part of the story just does not let up for one minute. And behind those horrible events and these really dramatic things, you had Shadow of a Doubt happening and Notorious and Paradine <laughs> Case and the the unrequited crush he had on Ingrid Bergman. And I remember just getting to the end of that and I was... <laughs> sounds really stupid but I was so emotional when I got to the end of that I remember mm. recording it and just uh, the part where Alma turns up at the hotel at the end I just <laughs> uh, I just I actually burst into tears and I was just it was just such a ride to, to write that and record it and just produce that thing so I'd say Hitchcock part 2 is probably the part the, the, the episode that I'm still I'm still I think about it and think how can that have been one part but um, Bullets and Blood Part 3, I think, turned up the 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 wow moments, the, the Hitler and the, mm. you know, the Jack Jr. parts even. You know, that, yeah, being betrayed by his father and everything. So, yeah. Well, I, th- I was I was listening to that thinking, this he can't get any worse. He cannot turn into a more of a despicable human being than he... he and then when he turned up at the party, um, at, you know, at the I very know. end... And I know. Good God. It's... I, I, I was like, you know, my, you know, it sounds corny, but my heart was in my mouth. I was just, I, you know, g- gasping, like, oh, I can't believe I know, this. Do you know I what know. I mean? That, and it's made me think, you are just Joffrey from Game really of Thrones, you me. evil, evil shit. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Awful, awful human being. Mm. The um, That part as well, that was all related by Jack Jr. in The Brothers Warner. Um, And to think that, you know, he did that to his brother, essentially immobilized him mentally and and then turned up to rub his face in it at the end at his anniversary party mm. it's just awful <laughs> just an yeah. awful human being yeah. but you know he died alone well pretty much you know just him and Anne in the end so they kind of got what they deserved <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um adam also goes on to say i mean because you've um I, I must admit i I haven't watched many Hitchcock films, to my shame, and, and many films from that genre, that sort of like the era, I should say, rather than genre. And um, you've inspired me to go and watch uh, Psycho. I'd never watched it before, uh, which sounds up to you, probably like you're thinking, "What a complete idiot!" No, but no, it's, it's just, I, you know, I'm just, you know, I just, I, I went and I watched Psycho, and even though I knew what was going to happen, because obviously I have years of, uh, mm. you know, reading magazines and other things. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, I knew what was coming, and but it still didn't stop it from being completely shocking to me, and you know, and, and sort of so tense watching that film. Absolutely adored it and loved it. But Adam wants to know, um, although it's possibly impossible to list favourite films, but what two or three films from the period you cover would you recommend as a good foundation for watching older films? Um, and he says, just feel free to skip through any genre field. Any two or three films from that period would you recommend? Personally, um, uh, let's think. I really like Rebecca Hitchcock. Rebecca's um, my favourite. Yeah, I really like yeah. that film. It's just, um, it's sinister, it's creepy, mm. it's romantic. It's got a great bit at the beginning. I, I love that bit. Everyone else hates that part at the beginning, whether in Monte Carlo. I love that part. Mm. It's so, so Selznick. Yeah. Um, and then you turn into like, it turns into a horror story. It's just a really good, solid thriller mm. based on a good, brooding, gothic romance story. It's a very, mm. very good film. Um, so I'd say Rebecca. It's a Wonderful Life I probably would recommend as well. Even though yeah. it's so overplayed now, it still is my favourite film. 
Um, and let's think, what else? Would you would do you mean Hitchcock specifically? Well, any 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 uh, film from that sort of the, the, that era, twenties, thirties, forties. There's a film. I think he's There's asking. a little British film actually called Obsession, and it stars Robert Newton, uh, Robert Newton and Sally Gray. And I would say that is a film that will totally confound you. So if, I think it's from 1949. Uh, it's not a Hollywood film, obviously, but um, definitely search that one out. That's a very, very good film. And um, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Um, <laughs> Intriguing. Yeah, check that one out. Uh, the Brighton Strangler, Fantastic. obviously, one of the greatest films ever made mm. with uh, Canterbury. What else? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the Universal Horrors. Any of those you could you could stick on and enjoy. I'm I'm more of a fan of B movies, so that's why I'm drawn to these like Val Luton stories and <laughs> and Universal horror films because I really like terrible films. So, yeah, um, uh, not the Val Luton's terrible. I think, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do as well, don't yeah. we, Tina? Like and Dave yeah. as well. Um, then that I think you've said it before that somebody's poured their exactly, heart and soul yeah. into this movie, and 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 you know, regardless of whether it, it you know turns out to be a bad film or whatever, it's I mean. Um, T- Tina and Dave often talk about a film called Samurai Cop, yeah. which you we were know, and, that today, and th- yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and uh, it blows my mind to think that as a result of um, Dave doing his podcast, you know, the eighties Picture House, that the that the the star of that film was supposedly dead, you know, then coming back to life, you know, wasn't actually dead, and then Dave ending up sort of like doing the comparing of the of the Samurai Cop 2 premiere in in America it's amazing. you know years then like it's, it's it so just blows cool, my yeah. mind you know <laughs> yeah and uh, so we love like movies like that don't we you know I think it's our bread and butter isn't it yeah well, well particularly I, Dave. I had no idea that Cat People was a B movie because it's held in such high regard and it was only through listening to your podcast that I thought it's a B movie <laughs> everybody yeah I mean that's so yeah. cheap to make that film. Yeah. Came in under budget and everything. So amazing though, isn't it? I've got actually um thought of a few more films. If you look for Captain Blood, that's a good one. Uh Errol Flynn film. That's a good solid romp. Um Now there is someone who had a great life. <laughs> yeah, God. I'm I don't think you could talk about that. most of it though, could you really? <laughs> yeah, that would have an explicit tag, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another Hitchcock film actually, I've just remembered. Uh Foreign Correspondent, which a lot of people overlook because it sort of slots between uh, Rebecca and the Selznick films. Uh, sorry, it came after Rebecca, I think, but um, it, right in the middle of the Selznick films. Um, but he made it for a different studio, and that is a stunning film to watch. It's just Who's in that? That's John McRae, Herbert Marshall, yeah. Lorraine Day. It's one of those films that really flew under the radar, and unless you know to look for it, yeah. you, it's not one that's mentioned very often. But it is. One of the most iconic Hitchcock films. It's one set piece after another. There's a set piece where there's an assassin who's supposed to be a bodyguard for him, and it's the assassin's trying to kill him as they're walking through the city. So he's about to push him in front of a bus, but something happens, you know. And they go to the top of a tower, and the assassin has to pick the right moment to push him off the tower. But mm. then the lift comes up, and there's schoolgirls, and it's we can't. He has to hang back. It's just, and then there's a plane crash, and then there's a, a fake kidnapping, and then it's it's just one of those films that you just you like you get to the end of it, and you think. Was that one movie? Because it just seemed like <laughs> ten movies. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, kind Hearts and Coronets, I love. Yeah. Man Who Worked Miracles. The Mark of Zorro is great with uh, Tyrone Power. 
um, Singing in the Rain's brilliant. And the Roaring Twenties, yeah. obviously. The Invisible Man, uh, Claude Rains. Oh, and the yeah. Thin Man films, of course. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Men alone. The Thin Man is my next series. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, oh William Powell and Myrna Loy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. how lovely. Because those 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 are great stories. You, you think, oh, I'll just talk about the six films, but <clears throat> you could do the Myrna Loy story, how she played all these oriental villains before yeah. she became the leading lady. Then you got the William Powell story with, you know, Jean Harlow, who died incredibly young. And yeah. They were <clears throat> about to be married and all that kind of thing, so... That's one of those things that's going to... Oh, I will look forward to that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. <laughs> well, you, you've mentioned um, Shadows, your latest um, shows, which I've just funnily enough listened, finished listening to part two today. Um, amazing, All, as always, you know, just... It's, it's sort of like you leave me on the edge of, you know, sort of like, you know, a knife edge, and then it's like, damn, I want part three, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, um, it's And just the, the cliffhanger endings, um, excellent, you know, I walk with the zombies, sort of like on the horizon kind of thing. And But how... You've obviously got Mark Gattis, who um, I love and Tina loves, um, you know, and... Uh, how did that come about, um, you know, kind of working with him? Sorry, um, he, he, I don't know. I meant to ask him, actually. I don't know how he heard of the podcast. I, every time I, I've seen him or met up with him, I always thought, I must ask him this time. How on earth did you find it? One day, just out of the blue, he just put a tweet up and it said, I've just listened to this thing called um, The Games Afoot. And it was really good and I recommend you all listen to it or something along those lines. And so I sent him a message saying, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's really kind of you. And he, then he sent me a, a direct message like two days later or something. And it said, have you ever seen Cry of the Werewolf? And I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to sit down to watch it. And I thought of you. <laughs> so um, and then he, he listened to, I think it was Universe of Horrors next. And he tweeted about that, too. So I sent him another one saying, oh, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. And he's like, oh, I've just, I've just got this new movie poster. It's a James Whale original poster. And he took a picture of himself in his home with it. And he sent it to me. And I don't know, we just kept chatting. Like, yeah. I didn't want to overdo it too much because he is absolutely my hero. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. Without a doubt. I did an interview when I first started podcasting. And someone said, who are your heroes? And I said, James Cagney and Mark Gatiss. Because Mark Gatiss is, he seems to have the same... <clears throat> the same love for the same things that I do. Mm. Like he, he would talk on Radio 4 years and years and years ago about these Ernest Thesiger films and universal horror films. And, mm. and every time I would hear, hear him, I just think, oh, that guy is so in tune with what I like. And then I watched his History of Horror series, which was... You yeah, know, it was oh, great, yeah, exactly. wasn't it? I watched yeah. that and I was looking at him going around, you know, Lon Chaney's makeup box. <laughs> and I just thought, that is one guy, if I ever get the chance, you know, that, that would be the guy I'd want to meet. And, yeah. and and crazily we've just got talking on twitter and, and we and we still chat and it's it's crazy and I, I said to him one day in fact when i finished doing bullets and blood he said what are you doing next and i said well, i'm gonna do the thin man and he said have you considered doing luton so i said well i was and that actually is, is on my list and he said oh you should do luton so i, I said, <laughs> okay i'll do val luton next so i started on that and um i said to him just out of, i think i'd had a few beers and uh, I said, would you want to be in it? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no problem at all. Just let me know. 
and I didn't want to over-egg it too much, so I waited a few weeks and then sent him a message saying, would you like to play Val Luton in this series? Would you like to be the voice of Val Luton? And he said, yeah, cool, yeah, absolutely, just let me know. He's totally nice about it all. And then as I was writing it, it became sort of apparent that it would be naff if he just popped up and did Val Luton's voice every, Mm. you know, 40 minutes. Plus the dialogue that I was writing for Val Luton, some of it I knew and some of it I you know, was sort of guessing at. So um, this whole idea came about, you know, to base, to have him read a piece of the folklore or story that the film that I'm going to talk about in the episode was based on. Mm-hmm. So I sent him that idea and said, what do you think? And he was like, oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So I went down to um, watch him in a play uh, in November. Um, it was called The Boys in the Band and it was on at Brighton. And um, I sent him a message saying, you know, I'm coming to watch you tonight. And he said, oh, do make sure you come to the stage door. So we went out to the stage door afterwards and he he gave me a hug and we had a picture and all that kind of thing. That's my Facebook profile picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's me and Mark Gay. Oh, um, that's nice. And then I just I thought, you know, I was so embarrassed that night. I was so I was shaking. You know. um, I sent him a message afterwards saying, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be so, <laughs> so really fanboy. And he said, "No, it's fine. Don't worry about it." And then I got on with writing shadows and thought, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pester him to make this thing. I'll send him a message when I'm ready to record. And if he says, oh, yeah, I can do it, then great. And if he doesn't, then you know, it doesn't matter.'" Um, and then about a week before I was going to record, I said, "You know, it's ready. Do you want to still be involved?" And he said, "Yep, no problem. Wow. What day are you free?" And I said, "I'm free on Monday." And he said, "Okay, I'll get us a room at my agent's in London." So I drove down there. I was an hour bloody late. <laughs> I walked in and I'd sent a message to the reception saying, could you please tell Mr. Gages I'm running really late as a traffic on the M4. And um, I walked in and they hadn't told him. And he was sat there, didn't look best pleased. <laughs> but um, oh, I said, I'm no. so sorry. And within about two minutes, he was, you know, he, he was sort of like, mm, hi, sort of warily shook my hand. And within about two minutes, he was perfectly lovely and yeah. couldn't have been nicer. We were chatting about Tales of the Unexpected and everything else. <laughs> and we got, I think, I think we did four, four stories on that day, and we ran out of time because I was so late. So um, he sent me a message a couple of weeks ago, and it said, um, "I'm in Cardiff. Would you be interested in coming up here, and we can get the rest of the recording done?" So <clears throat> I drove up there, and uh, one evening after my shift, and I got there about six o'clock, and uh, we recorded for about an hour, got all the rest of them done. And then I was like, she fancy going out for dinner. So we wandered into Cardiff and we were chatting about everything he's doing and everything I was had coming up. And all my stories, by the way, were hideously uninteresting compared to his. <laughs> he's met everyone. He knows everyone. He's sat there. He's completely, you know, has a word for every occasion. One of the smartest, yeah. most clever, funny, gentle, kind people yeah. ever. Just absolutely yeah. lovely, lovely guy. Really, really nice. And... um yeah, every time I'm promoting something or doing something, he's he's always there and he's ever such a nice guy. Really, really lovely guy. And it all came from you know him by chance, I assume, stumbling mm. onto the podcast, and now he's been on it. So, yeah, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful to hear. Yeah, and, and I mean, has that brought you um, any extra prominence? You know, do you, have you noticed? And not that you said earlier on that downloads aren't a massive thing for you, but have you noticed that with say having Mark Gattis uh, doing the sort of you know an initial part of the um, Shadows stories, has, has that brought any more 
downloads, people contacting you? Because you're very active on Twitter, I've noticed, that you always, um, you know, people say, oh, I love the show, etc. You know, you're always replying, saying thank you. I don't know if you have time to do all that <laughs> kind of stuff as well. No, I always, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always, uh, I find it really, you know, odd that people don't, <laughs> if they don't do that. It's very weird. Mm. Um, uh, but I don't really know, to be honest. The, the downloads are pretty steady anyway. And I always yeah. find that they spike day one and then they obviously fall off <clears throat> as the days go on. Um, I mean, Bullets and Blood Part 3 is still getting ridiculous amounts of downloads every day, and I think people are more attracted. I, I don't think people look at my feed and think, oh, that one's got Mark Gatiss, I'll download that one. Um, they go, oh, that's a big long one, I think I'll try that one to begin with. I have no <laughs> idea why. Um, I know that since... Well, I am getting mentioned more places because his name's involved. I didn't you know, plan for that, to be honest. And I, I've only, I'm not making a huge deal about it. I'm not, you know, oh, Mark Gates in the Mark Gates in this. Um, I, and I put it on the tweets and I put it on the, the artwork, but I'm, I'm not expecting to him to try and push it for me because it would be of kind course, of rude. Yeah. But, um, yes. But I know it's been mentioned in Doctor Who magazine because he's because of his involvement. I know mm. that I, I'm getting followed by more people that I would say are in his circle, like Danny Baker and James Holmes and all of that. They're all kind of, jumping on board now and uh, obviously that kind of thing does help and what helps is that his name's going to be there you know forever now that those shows are staying on the on the, on the podcast so yeah I, I i guess it is helping yeah i think it is helping definitely shadows is has more downloads out of the gate than the others did so hopefully that'll last. <laughs> That's wonderful, absolutely. Well, it's it's just it's exactly what you deserve, you know. And, and because, like you've described, um, Mark, uh, you know, you, you're you're a gentleman. Do you know what I mean? You, and that's the way you come across. Like I said, the what the fact that you take time out to thank everybody who contacts you on Twitter, um, you know, and that you've allowed us some time tonight to talk to you is is wonderful. It's my pleasure. And, you know, like I said, I so don't really get you. to I mean, talk about podcasting very much. I'm usually no. shut in my cupboard, so this is very, very Aww. It's a big honour. Like <laughs> um, just very, because I mean, I'll say I don't want to keep you all night. But what, who, who would you like to work with in the future that you admire? Have, have you got any other dreams of people that you? I mean, obviously James Cagney is going to be a bit more, a bit more difficult. <laughs> but um, have, have you got any uh, so people that you would like to work with that you admire in the sort of you know entertainment industry as such? If um, uh, I would love to talk to Olivia De Havilland. Um, yes, I would really love that. I mean, obviously, that wouldn't be, a, you know, a, a, she wouldn't be doing a voice or anything. I'd just love to interview her or something. She'll probably um, sue you for mentioning her. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> She's feisty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Olivia de Havilland. I'd love to just meet her. I think that'd be cool. Other than that, if I if I could get anyone else in to appear on it, I really love David Suchet. Mm. Um, I don't. I, well, I better not say anything. No, no, I won't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really love David Suchet. I'm a massive Poirot fan. So, um, I actually, this is a very weird thing. I chat to Hugh Fraser on Twitter now as well. He's um, he's he's a really nice guy, Captain Hastings. Yeah, yes, very nice guy. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I could get him on that, actually. My friend's but daughter no. graduated yesterday in uh, from Liverpool University, and her mum took lots of pictures because I think they have their ceremony in the, one of the cathedrals there. And David Suchet was sitting in front of her. If oh, only really? I'd have known. <laughs> you 
get a tattoo on the shoulder. Get a tattoo, Oi, yeah. Poirot. Yeah. Good job for you. <laughs> I really love him. I hear lots of things about him. Let's just say that. Like, not mm. not just from people in the business, but um, my father-in-law's met him a few times. Mm. And he said, uh, you know, you should never meet your heroes. And then he just winks at me. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I do admire his book. I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what plans have you got for the future? You've mentioned very briefly some of the things that you've got on the horizon. Obviously, you've got Shadows, Part 3, due to come out shortly. Um, is there anything else you can tell us about? Or is it all kind of hush-hush? Um, well, I think I've kind of told you everything I can tell you at the moment. Um, like I say, the, the, I'm starting a new podcast. That'll be in the new year. That'll be about British film history. Um, is that going to run alongside... Are you going to continue with your Hollywood histories as well? Yeah, yeah, because I, <clears throat> I've started crowdfunding now. So yeah. um, I have a Patreon page. And mm, I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, the more it grows, the the less shifts I can do at mm. work. So mm. I'm already I'm already like you know an extra day of this per week because of that. So um, so if that keeps growing, then obviously I'll be able to do more podcasting. So mm. hopefully, um, but yeah, it seems to be growing every month, not as fast mm. as I would like it to go, but you know it's still going. <laughs> but um, but yeah, hopefully just to make a living from podcasting. Is the uh, is the aim? I think in the end. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully that will come true. Thank you. Um, yes, <laughs> and uh, I'm just uh, and, and I'm not just saying this because I've been thinking about it for the past couple of days. But now I'm logged onto the computer. Uh, as soon as we finish talking to you, that is the the next thing I will be doing is signing up. Oh to no, don't no no! Pay- I didn't mean it like that. Sorry. Yeah. No, not at all. Please don't think that because I I have been genuinely thinking about it because uh, you know it, you totally deserve it. You know, and and um, if we can. If I can help in some way to sort of help your dream come true, um, then I'd really love that, you know. And you kind of like what you said about meeting Mark Atis and sort of, you know, how you kind of geeky and, and kind of awkward you felt about that, and kind of how I felt about talking to you. And you've kind of made, you know, <laughs> as, as silly as it sounds, one of my dreams come true because I, I you know, I've, I've loved talking to you tonight. It's been absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. And um, so one, no, one of my um, uh, other friends on the the show I do, he he says I haven't got re- any um, much in particular to ask you to ask Adam tonight. But if you could just stress just how outstanding I think his podcast is, it would be great. His voice, sound production, and sheer amount of effort and time he puts in clearly shows. Easily the most polished and well produced podcast I've ever listened to. Oh, and people who moan about long podcasts can do one. Is what he said. <laughs> Very, very kind. Thank you so much. I feel very, very honoured. <laughs> I think you turned so. it into a gay icon, Adam. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've mentioned your Patreon, so then how can people help support you and where can they find you going forward then in, in terms of Twitter and social media and all that kind of stuff? Well, on Twitter, I'm on at Movie Histories um, or at Attaboy C for the other show. Um, on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash attaboyclarence, because that started first, obviously. Uh, the website is attaboyclarence.com or secrethistoryofhollywood.com. And the Patreon page is patreon.com slash attaboysecret. And um, on the Patreon uh, thing, uh, I give early access to the Secret History episodes when, uh, when they're released. So they're getting them. They're getting episode three on Monday, I think. And then everyone else gets it like a week after. Um, and also the, the the shows are being turned into ebooks all the time. So at the moment, uh, 
the universe of horrors is out as an ebook for patrons and the game is afoot the hitchcock series at the moment is being turned into an ebook and that's that the whole thing it's wow. like 350 pages Ooh. and that's that's literally for patrons only so that they'll be the only people getting that one mm-hmm. um and there's i'm doing movie commentaries as well as part of the bonuses and I mean, I email everyone every week. I even gave away some of my dad's music last week. <laughs> oh, yes, I heard that. That Good song God. that your dad sings <laughs> so on funny. the last is so brilliant. <laughs> Loved it. Do you know what? It's like he said to me so many times, you should play that song in your podcast. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, no, you should use it as uh, the theme tune for your secret history of Hollywood. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. And then I thought about it the other day. It doesn't fit with this show, but it fits perfectly with that podcast. I could play it on there. Yeah, it's all about Hollywood, for God's sake. Yeah. So I played it. I had an email from... Um, I'm getting so many emails about it saying, oh, I love your dad's music. Well, I really want your dad's music. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, your, your dad's music is now sitting in my digital, digital music collection. And, and so I told him about it. And I'm like, you know, you should be proud. Yeah. It's the stuff you did like 40 years ago. People are loving it. And he's like, oh, I can't believe it. And then I got an email from um, Coast and Co- Coast and County Radio yesterday to say that they want to play his music on there. Oh, wow. And they've asked for his name and, and uh, you know, they want to give him a mention. It's a guy oh. called Gordon Tennant who's doing it. And he's um, he's actually one of my patrons. And he, he yeah. said, I really would like to play your dad's music on my show. So I told him about it. And wow. he was absolutely over oh. the moon. Yeah, he can't believe it. And all because oh. of my silly little podcast, eh? Oh, so silly now, Dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <This is hard. laughs> just before we let you go, where did the um, Attaboy Clarence come from then? Where's the name? Of that? The <gasps> Chris, name of you don't know. Oh, no, for shame. You don't know. Well, I want Adam. Go on, Adam, tell him. It's the last. I want Adam to tell me. It's the last line in It's a Wonderful Life. That's what yeah. he says. Ah, because the, the angel's called Clarence. And. Um, Every time a bell rings, an angel gets their wings, and yeah. he famously has no wings in the film, so he's sent to earn his wings by helping George Bailey. And at the end, as I stood around the Christmas tree singing, um, the bell on the tree rings, and um, Zuzu, his daughter, says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, and he looks up to heaven and says, "Out a boy, Clarence. Mm. And that's how it is. <laughs> oh, wonderful, <Yeah>. wonderful. <laughs> oh, um... Tina, unless you've got any other questions. I could um, sit and talk to Adam for another five hours. Go on, then. I, I know. Which, means, <laughs> which means that you're just going to have to come on again, Adam. Anytime. That would Anytime. be wonderful would if you to. did. Would you come on again to talk about your um, British history? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. we'd love yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd be really great. Thank yeah, you. that'd be amazing. <laughs> well, um, I, like I said, I tell everybody I meet that um, you, you must listen to um, Attaboy Clarence and Secret History of Hollywood podcast because they're so amazing. And you've provided me and others, I'm sure, you know, with hours and hours of entertainment. So thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. I've loved chatting with you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I really and, have. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. I love you both. You're brilliant. Thank it's it's <laughs> our pleasure so well thank you um you know just leaves me to say like i said thank you so much for everything you do and we wish you every success in the future um and, and we will uh, remind you that you have promised to come back on even when you're a big star and uh, <laughs> yeah. you're not returning our calls I'll you know. see. I'll see. Uh, you'll have to page me <laughs> people still do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course i'll be on anytime thank you so much for having me oh. 
No, it's been <laughs> a thanks, pleasure. Adam. So thank you. And thank um, you. We'll, uh, you can find all of our stuff over at 60minuteswith.co.uk. Uh, there's loads of reviews going up all the time. And uh, obviously this interview will, will be on there. Uh, check out our iTunes feed and everywhere else where we are. Um, check out uh, at 60 Minutes With on Twitter for loads of different things, competitions and everything that's going on. Uh, Tina, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm Spanky Spangler on Twitter. Uh, there you go. And I'm at Dastardly Jabby. And we'll see you next time for another show. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.